Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. If you have the Pew Bible, it is on page 839. <clears throat> Once again, it's uh, Mark 4, 1 through 20. This is the word of, the God, of God. Again, he began to teach besides the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on, on the sea. And the whole crowd was besides the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said, <clears throat> he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seed. <clears throat> as, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the bird came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth in soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And <clears throat> when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where this word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes, it, takes away the word that, it is <clears throat> that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure it for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are the... They are those who fear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is the word of God. Last Sunday here, and uh, I don't have some special special message where we're, we're going to do what God wants us to do, which is be in his word. And um, okay, we're a little later than usual, so let's get into the message. Um, this is going to close our, 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 our series called in, um, The Incomparable Jesus, and then next week as we start a new chapter, we're going to start a new series, all right? 
And uh, we're going to start a series called Treasure in Clay out of Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4. And a really important passage. That I thought about all the passages that I want to really sow into our hearts when we start this next chapter. That's the passage I wanted to sow, Second Corinthians chapter 4. But today, let's wrap up... Um, you know, this kind of like three, three messages on this really important passage about um, seeds and soil and parables. And I'm going to close today by talking about especially verses 10 through 12. Um, let, let me ask our, our brother to put that up there. Verses 10 through 12. This is, a, this is, this is the, actually really one of the more difficult portions inside this passage. And I want us to wrestle with this, these verses today. Um, I already, we already kind of wrestled with the four soils, and, all, and Jesus basically explains them. But So this is what he says. It's, it's basically about the nature of parables itself. He says, when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he said, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Let's stop there for a moment. To you, certain people get this. Get the secret of the kingdom of God. I want you to understand this. This is really important, right? But for those outside, so this is, this is hard. This is tough. For those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive. You see something, but you don't really, really get it, right? They may indeed hear, but they don't actually understand. <laughs> Lest they should turn and be forgiven. That's the difference. There's people who get God. You get what Jesus calls the secret of the kingdom of God. It's, it's, it sounds almost mean. Some people get the secret, and <laughs> some people don't. <laughs> if you get the secret, you get God in his kingdom. If you don't get the secret, you're, you, you like see, but you're, you're still blind. You hear, but you don't really get it. That's what I want to talk about today. This, this question, you see it, but you don't get it. Now, at one point in your life, I hope that you did not believe in Jesus. You heard the gospel and for, like, you really started to get it. And you gave your life to Jesus. You were born again. But there's a way that as a Christian... You know, there's God is trying to reach you. He's trying to get into you. He's trying to like, re, you know, pull you toward himself and help you to see more and more of the secret of the kingdom. Okay? And we're just dumb. <laughs> she's like, dumb, you don't get it. <laughs> you hear the preaching, you hear, you, you know, but you don't get it. So um, there's a way that you, once and for all, you enter into the kingdom. But there's a way that you can still be in the kingdom and you're still dumb and you don't get it. I just want us to wrestle with that today. Right? And so I've, I've entitled this message, Seeing Yet Still Blind. Yet blind. It's weird. Right? So part one, blind and deaf to the kingdom. Blind and deaf to the kingdom. Here, I, this is a, this, I want to say this is really a funny thing. How do you see? You know how you see in the kingdom? By hearing. It's really weird. You see, not with your eyes, as our brother chose. This is a great song to choose. Open the eyes of my heart. That's the song we sang today. Open the eyes of, not my, of my eyes. Open the eyes of my heart. How does that happen? By hearing. Hearing God's word. Part two. 
the reality of sin and its cursing, curse, helping you really see and hear, right? The reality of sin and its curse, helping to basically get over blindness. And part three, I want to close. Uh, there, was a, there was a blind man who was once healed, and this is what he says. I once was blind, but now I see. <laughs> I once was blind, but now I see. I hope that's something that we all get to say. <laughs> I used to be blind, but now I get it. <laughs> all right, part one. Let's just, just step back for a moment. So if Jesus says there's a secret of the kingdom of God, that sounds kind of mean. Why is it a secret? Um, because something that you know, sometimes you don't know it just because somebody says it, just because you can see it. Like you can see it with your eyes, but you don't get it. And, 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 when I, and I want to just start by saying that there's things in life, it's not like uh, Jesus is being mean, God is being mean. What you're talking about in the kingdom of God is a special kind of relationship to the most important person there is God. And if you want to have a certain kind of relationship, you have to get the relationship. You get what I'm saying? If you don't, a relationship is something like it's a heart to heart. It's two people and somebody has, you have to respond to the relationship that's being offered to you. If you don't get it, you don't get it. <laughs> so, and I, I want to offer to you something. It's, this is not like some weird God being mean thing. This is just, it's a deeply, there's a deep reality of life. So let me try to give you a different example where you can, be, you can see something, but you don't really see it. So let me, let me give you an example. Um, so when I was in the fifth grade, uh, when I was in the fifth grade, um, there was a girl in, in, in class, right? There was a girl in class, and, um, and, and I'll, I'll, say, I'll say her name. Her name was Cheryl, right? And I thought she, she, was, she was basically the prettiest girl, right? Now, you know, she's nothing compared to, like, I the prettiest girl I have now. <laughs> but back then, when I was a stupid 10-year-old kid, I thought she was, she was about like, she was like, okay, she was a head taller than me. <laughs> she was about a head taller than me, and she had, she was, I guess we would describe her as dirty blonde, right? You know, like this is America, you know, like 90% of the room is white. I think like there's like 10% Hispanic, and then there's like two Asians, okay? And um, so, um, so, you know, girls have, have a way of saying things, but what they say is they don't actually, they don't mean the same thing. Do you guys understand this? So they say this, they say this, but they mean this. You guys understand what I'm saying? All right. So some of you are like, some of you are really dumb guys. You still don't know. You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. And so you're, you're blind. <laughs> <laughs> Now, when I, was, when I was 10 years old, I was completely clueless. I mean, think about your, your average fifth grade boy. He still thinks girls are gross, okay? Now, this was the first time I started thinking that girls were not gross. At least most of them were still stupid, but this girl was, like, not gross, okay? And um, so, um, so I hope this doesn't sound like I was bragging. So, But, like, our teacher, she... Uh, she she wanted to make sure the kids really learned their math. And so she gave everybody an assessment test. And she figured out if you were like basically one of the, like you don't get it. You're like, you're, 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 your math skills were really bad. And then if you were in the middle or if you were a little above average or if you were like really good, she figured that out. And so when math hit, so she, this is a fifth, this is the way our, my teacher ran math class. You didn't have one book and everybody learned out of that book. There were like eight math levels 
<laughs> in this one class, and you have to go to your level, and everybody knew if you were like at the bottom level, <laughs> all right? And, um, and so I hope this doesn't sound like I'm bragging, but um, I was at the top level, <laughs> okay? And um, this, this, I hope this really doesn't sound, there, there was only one kid at the top level. <laughs> all right? There was one, there's some kids, you know, the bottom level had like four kids, then the next level had like three kids, and the next level had like six kids. Okay, at the top level, there was one kid, and you're looking at him, all right? All right? And so uh, Cheryl, she was, she was one of the smarter kids. She was probably at like at the third from the top level, okay? And so um, you can imagine if a teacher runs the class this way, she's going to the, this level, and then, then, they, then these kids have these questions, and she, she basically teaches a lesson over here, and then she runs over here and teaches another lesson, so, you know, the teacher's busy. So Cheryl... So what she did, I mean, remember, this is the prettiest girl in class. What she would do is she would walk over to the kid at the top level <laughs> and say, hey, Susan, I don't understand this. Can you teach me how to do this? All right? This didn't happen like once a week. This happened like, um, like every other day. <laughs> All right? <laughs> this happened like almost like, this happened like three times a week. Right? And since she's the prettiest girl in class, I didn't mind. <laughs> okay. So, she comes up to you and says, Susan, will you help me? I don't understand this material. So, if you see with your eyes, you think, she doesn't understand the material. I will help you with the material. Is that what's going on? <laughs> is that what you think is going on? Now, here's, when I was 10 years old, that's exactly what I thought was going on. <laughs> That's what I thought was going on. Now, of course, I didn't mind because when she sat next to me, her long, her long hair would kind of sometimes brush against my face, and it smelled really good. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's like, all right, that's pretty nice. And then I would go, oh, yeah, wait a second, you don't know how to do this. And then I would have to explain, then, the, you know, they put the number over here, and then that's how you get the right answer. And she would go, oh, thank you. And, right? And then she would go, yes, and she'd pat me on the back, and she'd leave right, until she was come back the next day. So it never occurred to me, <laughs> it never occurred to me that basically she was telling me, hey, if you want this to be more than a friendship, it's possible. <laughs> it never occurred to me. That's just like, never, like, just, like that just doesn't occur to my mind. Okay? So do you, do you get what I'm saying? So... So if you cannot understand that she's saying that, then you can't be in the relationship. You get what I'm saying? The kid is blind, okay? Like, he may be the best master in the class, but he's the dumbest rock in the room. <laughs> when it comes to girls, he's the stupidest guy in the room. When it comes to math, he's the best guy in the room. It's weird, okay? So... Okay, so th th this doesn't have a happy ending, all right? <laughs> but I'll just tell you this. It never occurred to me that I might have a chance with this girl until, like, um, the last day of school. <laughs> Our teacher, she, she was really cool. She threw a party, all right? And then, like, she had, like, those, like, so the cool kids would dance. I mean, it was a party, 
<laughs> and so she had like a strobe light. <laughs> okay, you know, this, this is like in, in, in South San Jose, all right? And so the cool kids, like the Mexican kids and the cool white kids would dance. So like the room is like rocking and like she's, there's like dance, okay? And like, of course, I, I'm not dancing because I, like, I don't dance. That's like, I'm too embarrassed. And then I had no idea why, but a slow song came on. <laughs> And this girl walked across the room, grabbed my hand. I, I was shocked, completely shocked. She grabbed my hand, pulled me up. Remember, she's like, a she's like she has to look down at me. So she grabs, she grabs my hand, she takes both my hands and puts them on her, her waist. And she put her hands on top, and then we just did this. For three minutes. It was, I was shocked, I was terrified. <laughs> and I was super excited. <laughs> it was like all at once. And then I went home for the summer and said, how did that happen? <laughs> so in your blind, you're blind. Okay? Now this, means a, this is, a, this is a, the way I'm starting the story, is um, when the gospel is proclaimed, that is God calling out to people whom he loves and telling them, I came for you. I love you. I want you to be in a relationship with me. They hear the words. <laughs> they hear these words. But they don't get it. <laughs> right? They don't even know it's God. They just think some dude called the preacher up front is talking, but they can't actually hear the most important person who's actually talking. <laughs> Because they're blind and they're deaf. And so that's the secret. That's the secret of the kingdom. A word goes out, but you don't get what's actually being said. You know, the girl said, would you, like, I don't understand this piece of math, except she happens to say it three times a week. And, you know, I'm, I'm not getting the actual real message here. That's, there's something going on like that with God. And actually, whenever you come to church, that's being kind of replayed. Hopefully, there was a time you were like totally clueless, and then you finally understood that Jesus isn't just this person in history, and he's not even just some God up there. He's the Word himself. He is the living Word come, come to like enter into you and said, I want you to have an eternal relationship to me. That's the drama. And hopefully you said, yes, okay, I run to you, Jesus. Most of you, I think you've said that, okay? But do you know that every single week he invites you into that? Church is not religion, and somebody gets up here and says this thing. That's the real drama that's going on. It looks like a preacher comes up, we do this religion-y stuff, and then we leave. If that's all you think, then you're just as dumb as me because you think you showed up in doing math. <laughs> I'm sitting here helping a girl with math. That's what I think is actually going on. She doesn't understand this math. As far as I know, she might have completely understood the math. Because <laughs> she was pretty smart. That's what it was like. See, that's what it's like. The drama, you're showing up because you're blind. I'm blind. And you're not getting the real thing that's going on. Now, I want to say something. Um, that I heard this week. Um, 
I listened to this podcast called The World and Everything in It. I really highly recommend this to you. Even my kids like it sometimes when, when they're in the car. It's a, it's a Christian news digest. Um, you know, it's a, it's a news di- It sounds like an NPR news digest, except it's got a Christian perspective. And there's um, the guy who founded the magazine, which ultimately started this podcast, a guy named Joel Bells, B-E-L-Z. And he said this brilliant thing in like two minutes. I, was thinking, I sat there, how'd you do that? <laughs> All right, the thing that would take me 10 minutes to say he said in two minutes, and I want to give it to you in two minutes, just like he did. Why is it that when people show up, they can't get it? They don't get it. Because you understand the, the, the soil is the heart. The ground is the heart. You know, the seed has to go in someplace. There's problems inside this soil. There's other beliefs because it's not like your heart is just heart and it's completely open. No, it's closed. It's closed to the things of God. Because when the girls showed up, I'm thinking we're talking about math. I can't think we're talking about a girl-guy interaction here. I, I don't realize there's a girl-guy interaction going on. I think we're talking about math. Inside my heart, the subject in, in, at, it, that matters is math, which is really stupid. <laughs> Guess what? When you look at the world, if it is not shaped by God's word, it's shaped by something else. That's the equivalent of math. You're looking at the world with the wrong thing. You're like, the wrong thing is preoccupying the heart. So in Christianity, you have to show up and you have to learn the right doctrines. The doctrine is God's teaching to help you see. (laughs) Open the eyes of your heart and see. And then you can actually hear him and then you can live inside the truth. But the world has already poisoned your heart with all the wrong stuff. That's why people can't get it. Right? So Joel Bells gave three, and he said, I just see this everywhere. And this is why when people show up to church, and when you know, and you all know, when you talk to your non-Christian friends, why they probably won't be interested in Jesus. They won't even be interested in church. They won't even be interested in God. They don't even want to talk about God. Why? Because here, here's the three things. So let me offer these things to you. And we're, we're dealing with this all the time. So the first one, he calls it naturalism over supernaturalism, right? Naturalism over supernaturalism. So this is the junk that's going in here. This is like the math, get it? What's naturalism? When you look at the world, everything is molecules in motion. That's all there is. There's only nature. But the Bible says there's nature and there's supernatural. You are, have, you have nature. Your physicality is nature. But inside of you is something supernature, beyond nature. You're an eternal being, made for an eternal relationship. But if that's all you got, you're, you're like, you can't even hear the supernatural part because that's like the math that like covers it up. And a lot of our friends have that problem. But let me tell you something, it's not unshakable. (laughs) Because the supernatural part inside them, their soul, (laughs) it's hard to deny that thing. (laughs) It keeps coming back. Mm -hmm. Second one, this is going on in our culture. He says, um, he calls it the out-of-adjustment, out-of-adjustment explanation over the sin explanation. So why did this happen? Why is this going on in your life? What we just need is we just need something is out of adjustment. If we just kind of fix it into a better adjustment, then life will be better. My life will work out better if I just, 
you know, learn how to study better, then I'll get better grades. And then, you know, but maybe your real problem is that you, you know, deep down have like a hatred against all academics because because uh, your your parents have an idolatry of academic achievement. So maybe the deeper problem is not study more, which is an adjustment. Maybe it's sin. You've been sinned against. And now you have an equally powerful sin against this very sensible thing. See? Maybe the deeper problem is sin. It's sin. You try to mention that to any of our, our, our neighbor's friends, and they, they're like, yeah, it's not that word again. So immediately they just shut off because they just think there's some practical solution. But maybe it's really a supernatural solution to a supernatural problem, and sin is a much bigger, I mean, sin is a beast. You can't put a Band-Aid on it. It, like, owns you and curses you and kills you. So you can't fix that problem. The third one, it calls it pluralism over truth. What's pluralism? Pluralism means there's no one truth. There's just your truth and my truth. You know what that means? So every time you say, I'm glad you have your truth, I don't know if they say that to say, but this is the way they said to me when I was in college. I'm glad you have your truth, I have my truth. Okay, next time you hear that, here's what they're saying. I'm glad you have your lies, <laughs> and I won't believe in my lies. Because the, whether you use the word lies or truth, if there's a lot of them, it's all the same. This is the same as relativism. Everybody thinks there's no one truth because they can't believe there can be one God. If there's one God, let me tell you, there's one truth. And if somebody tells to you, is there an absolute truth? You are going, absolutely, there's an absolute truth because truth is not idea, it's a person. It's an absolute, invincible, eternal person. So, as long as there is an absolute person, yes, there is an absolute truth. And if you don't know the truth that he tells you, wow. <laughs> so when you're dealing with it, when so many people come and hear God's word, they're just like, this is just kind of like what the Christians think. Well, let me go check out what the Buddhists think. Because, you know, I'll just a little dabble here and I'll dabble there. That person, that is the same as when the gospel will be produced and then the devil is just going to steal it out and then they won't. That's like... Math is all going on. <laughs> it's like they're stuck talking about math, thinking about math, and not the deeper relationship that's being offered. So this is what's going on in our time. And if you want to be in this thing, you got to be, we, we need to know, like, you have to punch holes in this, guys. <laughs> it's, it'd be shocking to, to your friends if they go, so you actually think that there's one truth, and you're like, yep. What? So you don't think evolution explains everything? Nope. So this is why we like, uh, you know, want to equip you with some of this stuff. But it's also why you have to be equipped with it too. Because you've got to like, flush some of this stuff out. So you can live in God's word, not the, the stuff, the lies of the world, plugging it up. Okay, let's go to part two. The reality of sin and its curse. This is the strange thing. Sometimes sin and its curse can be helpful. 
You know why? So there's a way in which we sin. And the, the normal way is we live inside naturalism, pluralism. If I could just can fix it, because we think we can fix everything. We can just adjust everything. If you can adjust everything, you're your own savior. You just have enough money. You just have like better discipline. You know, get a good degree and just get a little more, better exercise and health. Then you're your own savior. You'll never make it that way with God, right? It's so plugged up. But every now and then, sin has consequence. <laughs> the real problem is so bad, we can't deal with it. We can't, like, we can't fix it. And you're walking through your life, you're thinking, I can handle it, I can handle it. And God, you know, it's an interesting thing, you know, every now and then, you know, I'll, I'll go and check that out. But then, real life, the real reality, the real harshness of real life your sin, the curse of sin, the hardness of life, when we're filled with idolatry and ignoring God, it'll come in and intrude upon you and, like, break you. <laughs> and then you'll think, maybe when that happens, and this is what I want to say to you, so I'm, I'm just going to, let me be, this, this, I hope this doesn't sound rude. As a pastor, okay, regularly I expect that most of you walk into the room filled with thorns in your heart and not, you know, you're, like, paying attention to the math, not to God. That's our city. And some people say they believe in Jesus, but they, like, from their very life, they clearly don't seem to take him very seriously. Right? And you know what I do? I just wait for life to get him. <laughs> Real life where Jesus is like kind of in the corner. And then, because the real life is filled with sin and folly and the curse of sin and the devil, and it's going to get him. <laughs> I just wait. I just wait a little bit, and then I'll get you. <laughs> and then, sometimes then you go like, whoa, now I really need God. And then I send that while I'm preaching and tell, like, normally you're bored. <laughs> but then, that Sunday, you're all on. I'm like, wow, what the heck happened? <laughs> Life happened, huh? And you came running, looking for God. Now, I want to share something with you. We're about to start a new chapter. And I've been uh, reading this book because I thought this is a good book to be reading as we start a, a new chapter of our church. It's called Surprising Insights from the Unchurched. All right. Um, Tom Rainer, blah, blah, blah. He's, 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 a, he's, a, he's, he's basically an evangelism expert. Right? The book is a bit older, but it's still right on in so many ways. And I want to start by telling you a little story. This is how the book starts. Um, he says, meet Donna and Joe. So a lot of people that we're going to meet and when you and all around your city, your friends, your coworkers, whether you're like 16 or whether you're, you know, like 46 and everything in between or and, and older, they're like this. And generally, when you want to ask them about God, they're not going to be that interested because they're filled with those problems, naturalism <laughs> over super, all those things. And they just think, my life is going good. Why do I need God? Heck, we feel that way. And you're supposed to be a Christian. But um, guess what? You don't, have to, you, don't, you don't have to be that savvy. You can just be like me. Just wait. Life will come get them. And then when you drop the seed, when you drop a seed, two weeks ago, they would not have been interested. <laughs> they would not have been interested. But life was now punching them in the head. Now they're interested. Hmm. So here, 
So there's a woman named Donna, Donna C. She was happy with her life. She met Brian in college. They're married. A little after that. She felt even more blessed at the birth of their two daughters. So she goes, I guess I was getting into this whole soccer mom role. I gave up my career to do this thing, and my husband was supportive, and we were happy, right? I was working long hours, making the money to pay off the mortgage, and, um, you know, they, they built, you know, they, they bought the house in the suburbs, and they're doing it. Happy life, right? So, so her husband's name is Brian. Don and Brian's religious background could be described easily. Non-existent. No church. No nothing. Okay? Except, you know, like Brian, he had like a grandfather, sort of like believed in God, and sometimes like the grandfather told himself stuff about God, but that was about it. All right? So it's interesting. So after Melissa, their second child is born, Donna suggested to Brian that the children might... It might be nice if they got a little bit of religious training. And he was like saying, that doesn't seem like a bad idea. See, like, this is really interesting. Very secular people, but that eternal part of their supernatural nature, it kind of like has a way to keep coming back. Everything's going great, right? All right, that sounds good. And they go check out a church once or twice, and then, but never given any real serious attention, right? Nevertheless, Donna is still very happy. I had a great family. Brian was making good money. We lived in a great neighborhood. Life seemed good. Then the bomb dropped. See? Life happened. Brian shows up one day and says, um, there's a woman at work. Her name is Susan. I love her, not you. Donna knew Susan. Susan seemed like a really nice woman. Say life happened. It wasn't her fault. Sin brewing inside. There is a sin inside of her life. It's not an obvious sin. The sin is, I don't need God. <laughs> I have a good husband. I got two kids. Perfect suburban house. And we got plenty of money. I don't need God. It's a sin of self-sufficiency, self-salvation. That's her real sin. It doesn't seem like much of a sin because I'm a good person, Right? But then other sins are popping into her life. It's not her sins, her husband's. And then, boom, everything blew up. So they got quick divorce. She got the kids. She didn't have the house because they can't afford this expensive house without this nice income coming from her husband. And then he, you know, left to go be with Susan. So this is how she put it. I never considered I would be a single mom. I guess I was fortunate that my parents lived across town. Even with the money coming from Brian, I could not afford a house. Donna and the girls moved in with her parents for seven months. And then she said this. There was one big blessing that came out of this tragedy. Interesting. I had noticed that mom had changed a good bit over the past seven months. She seemed happier and more at peace than I'd ever known. While living with her parents, Donna learned that her mother had been attending a Bible study with a group of ladies from a growing Presbyterian church about 10 miles from her home. Donna's mother soon became a Christian and joined the church. Remember, her mom is a total pagan. So her mom, I mean, 
There's a pre- I, I read this and I started laughing because ours is a Presbyterian church too. I was like, right? And uh, the decision was simple. So much of Donna's happiness was connected to things that were now gone. Her husband, her home, and her upper middle class lifestyle. You know, when you're a teenager, I'm happy because I got my friends, and I live on this side of town, I'm getting good good grades, and, you know, like, that all seems good, right? Then what happens if, like, something gets uprooted, and you're in the wrong school, and where are your friends, and... Maybe you could think that this isn't just going on, that there could be a God. (laughs) So, you know, she just thinks my life just blew up. You know what's happening? The God of the universe is chasing her down. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. So the friendliness of the Presbyterian church members impressed Donna. The worship service seemed joyous, and relaxed. I hope that's exactly the way people feel about us. The friendliness impresses them. The worship service is joyous, yet relaxed. The style was a bit more contemporary than churches she had visited with Brian. The the messengers actually make sense. (laughs) They actually make sense. And so Donna's difficulties had a happy ending. She became a Christian and joined the church. Nine months later, she met Ted in a single again Sunday school class. They recently announced their engagement. I hope we get Donna in our church. Donna might be your friend. Donna's in your life. You know, we had a Donna in our church a couple years ago. His name was Alan. (laughs) We did this evangelism thing. He thought life is going great, came from a pagan household. He just basically became Donna. You know why we're going to have Revive Church? We've got a thousand Donnas in the city. They're your friends. Today, they're not interested in the seed called the gospel. Their heart is hard. Tomorrow, life is going to punch them in the head. And the, the, the heart will open. And you never quite know. When that seed shows up, oh, it's like, this is the, what the pastor's saying actually makes sense. My gosh, that's crazy. And boy, does it make sense. And then they throw away this self-salvation religion, and they get new life. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, fruitful life. That is what the church is about. And I want to close this message this way. You know, think about you. You could have been a Christian for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, but, you know, we kind of, we run into this cycle regularly. You know Jesus, but you begin to put him into the back seat. You think you're driving, and we begin to put him in the back seat. And then you just start thinking about math all the time. The math of your, you know, how many, your GPA the math of your, you know, your mortgage, the math of how big your bank account is, that kind of math, you know, like, not math of like pre-algebra or something like that, but like, you know, world math. And you think this is all that matters. But there is a, a wooing person, and he wants to put a seed into your heart. 
Is it going to land in a thorny soil filled up with worldly stuff? Is it going to land in a hard place? In a hard, it's not even soil because I am basically making Jesus an assistant because basically I like to live in self-salvation. A lot of Christians are operating, they say Jesus is my Savior, but they operate in self-salvation. Not a whole lot different than our unbelieving friends, right? But one of these days, you ever remember a time when life kicked you in the head? And then this is the way it says, that they would see and they would hear and then they would turn and be forgiven. That's what the way, that's the way Jesus put it. You know, the gospel is, um, is an offer of forgiveness, but it's more than forgiveness. I don't know if you know this. All our life we are sinning. <laughs> you think your big sins are like, oh, I looked at porn, or I did, or I did something wicked, I said this horrible, wicked lie. You think, because those are obvious sins. But actually, there's like a sin underneath all those sins, which is Jesus is little and God's word is little. And my math and my preoccupations, that's big. That's like the sin under all sins. And Christians, we Christians, we're good at that sin too. We're very good at that sin. Today, I want to invite you. Do you remember a time when you remembered my sins are terrible? This sin underneath all my sins, where I think I'm, that sin, it's a pretty bad sin. In fact, it may be the worst sin. Today, I want to invite you to forgiveness of that sin. <laughs> that sin. And ask the Lord to wash out your heart of all that thorny, worldly preoccupation that makes us blind and deaf. Because, you know, we're so blind and so deaf. He has to make you see. He has to make you hear. But today, hopefully, this dumb pastor, I can talk, and you hear not just some preachy, preachy religion, but you're hearing God say to you, come to me. Put that stuff away. I have something for you. A great love relationship. You know, that God, he came from a glorious place into this disgusting place. So that he would be right there. He could be the word in our life. And then he went to the cross because the cross is sin and curse and everything horrible and wretched. He went into it. And he said, put all your filth on me. I will be in it. The cross is say, I'll be with you. And then I'll forgive you. All your sins I'll forgive. And on the other side of the cross, this is the word. This is the gospel. You know, whenever the Bible tells you that there's forgiveness, it's like this. Let me, I want you to always hear. Forgiveness is offered. The gospel is offered. <laughs> because when forgiveness is offered by God, everything is being offered by God. <laughs> you understand? The first thing he offers you is forgiveness. And then he offers you power and wisdom and comfort. He gives you a family. He gives you a new inheritance. And then he gives you a new destiny. And then he makes a way for you when there's no way. <laughs> he even gives you new jobs. <laughs> and colleges when you don't think you got one. <laughs> he gives you everything.
and it's eternal. It can never go away. Don't you think that's better than whatever the heck math you're fixated on? And whatever it is you're fixated on, even if it goes bad, you have this. Run to that. Because whatever is bad today can be defeated with him. So brothers and sisters, today, let's be forgiven of the sin underneath all the sins. And let's put away this thorny, worldly soil. And let's not be so blind. Let's, maybe we could say it. I once was blind. But now I see. Let's pray. You want to give us everything. Everything is a lot more than what we want. But sometimes we're just so dumb. In fact, too often we're so dumb. We're so blind. We're so deaf. We're so deaf to you, Jesus. We're so blind to you, Father. Would you pour out your spirit on us? And when we trust that your blood is more than enough, Lord Jesus, to wash away all that filthy stuff in our heart. That your spirit is powerful enough to wash away all the naturalism and all the pragmatism and all the relativism and all the meism. And that you can reign supreme in our hearts. And we can have you all your goodness, all your promises, all your closeness. We can have your wisdom. We can have your guidance. We can have your power. Power to love things we didn't know how to love. Power to forgive. Power to have no, no more bitterness where there was anger. Lord, instead that we would have joy. Power to put away depression. Power to beat back addiction. Power to live, not be dead zombies. Power to live. Divine life, heavenly life, eternal life. May we live like this because that's what you offer us. May our hearts be good soil filled with great and incredible fruit, heavenly fruit. And when we go to this new home as revived church, may many, many Donnas come into our church. (laughs) Young ones, old ones. May we look at all our friends and say, you could be a Donna. And may we see this exciting thing that you do. Heal us, wash us, forgive us, and now bless us. Thank you for loving us all these ways. Nothing we could have done for this except by grace we can receive. Thank you for the grace upon grace to receive. In Jesus' name, amen.